everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, I don't know what it is. I'm actually in a good mood today. Can you explain I am it? as well? I am as well. I got nothing new. Uh, I guess what I'm tracking on is, you know, the optimistic, the defense held them to 79 yards and no points in the fourth quarter, uh, the second half. And we're just going to carry that forward into the Syracuse game. That's all we can do, right? Because gosh knows they don't start that way. So we're going to carry it forward. We're not going to start over. The question is, can Florida state repeat that? And, Time will tell, right? Like everything. But I do think that that second half, just focusing on the defense, you would know this better than anybody, Keith. It shows what team, de- what, what good defense can look like if you played team defense, if everybody's all out, if you commit, if you play physical, regardless of talent level. And I know that that was not an NCAA playoff team, college football playoff team that FSU was playing. But nevertheless, it was a great all-around effort. Agreed. The thing that I question, and I'm not there uh, to know, but it just seems like the adjustments are better than the original plan. Is that a direct result of the coaches not properly putting things together? Is it a result of the players not properly executing what they put together? Or is it because everybody is so creative and doing new things that what you plan for, you don't see when it happens? I don't know what that answer is. But I, I am encouraged and continue to be encouraged by the adjustments and by the effort. And, um, you know, we're still 0-4. That's the bottom line. But I like what I see, at least in the last 30 minutes, both sides of the ball. Yeah, and Norvell came out and said that they really didn't make that many adjustments. He, he said they did some things on third down, and he may have low-played that a little bit. Uh, to me, the the effort – I mean, the effort was good – throughout but it was just more dialed in in the second half so bob ferranti our osceola insider will join us next segment and we'll we'll dive deeper on florida state football and then we're going to talk some basketball later in the show basketball practice underway this week for the fsu men and women what do you make of the quarterback situation keith and and specifically mckenzie milton he's your starter he's who i would have started to begin with we've known all all that travis is quote unquote hurt prone slash injury prone uh, and I don't expect to see much of any against Syracuse. I think that was evident in the way the the, the uh, two deep came out. Uh, I think if needed, Chubby Chubb will be the uh, Chubba rather will be the uh, with the backup, obviously. But I like I like McKenzie. I like what I've seen. I think he's pressing. I think he needs to just calm down and and let the game you know unfold and, and take what the defense gives them. But I, I certainly understand and can acknowledge what it's like to be at a high level. Remember, he finished in the top 10 
in the Heisman voting for two consecutive years. I know it's been three years ago, but you get in there in your third and fourth series, you press and try to make things happen and you end up making mistakes. I can, I, I can identify with that. I get that. I just need to dial it back a little bit. I think part of the question with Milton is the same question as Chubba. There's starting to be a push to play Purdy because he needs to get game experience so he can get better. I don't know that we know that Milton's at his ceiling from a standpoint of, is he going to get a little bit better physically or is this just what he is the rest of the way? Cause he's pretty quick at processing and making decisions and pre-snap and all that, but his body fails him at times. And I don't know. And plus there's some rust factor. He did miss three years of football. Uh, it's not like he, he played 12 games last year and the year before. I just wonder about that too. Well, plus it's a new system. He's only played four games in one spring in this system. So uh, yeah, we got to give him the benefit of the doubt as regards that. And at the end of the day, there's just not a lot of options there for, for Florida State. I would think we wouldn't see Jordan Travis until after the bye week at this point. I don't know that. But there's two games left, and then you get a bye, and it seems like uh, looking at him on Saturday that he wasn't very close. But we'll see. What we are close to is having Bob Ferrante join us, and he'll do that next. Stay with us as we're just getting cranked up on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block and Keith Jones, and we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our good friend Bob Ferrante from the Osceola. And Bob, interesting times at Florida State, certainly, but I think the great majority were, I don't know if pleased is the right word, but appreciated Mike Norvell's impassioned response to a media question earlier this week in his press conference. What was your takeaway? I assume you were there when he made those comments. Yeah, you could tell he was accelerating and going somewhere. I mean, the the question was a great one from Corey Clark, and it was, what's, what's your message to recruits, to your commits, to your 2022 class, to even some guys who might still be considering a school and maybe thinking about Florida state. And I, I think Norvell's message is quite bluntly honest. It is, this is the situation Florida state's in. They, they need guys for the future. They need guys who are willing to, to buy into uh, climbing quite, quite literally out of the ACC basement and, and elevating the program. And I don't think he's tried to, um, as David Johnson said on Tuesday after practice, recruiting coordinator he's not sugarcoating anything he's being very candid with recruits and I think that's really what you have to be when you're 0 and 4 that's the reality is it time to uh quit playing any fourth and fifth year players and just go with the youngins I think you have to make calculated decisions and I think in certain situations maybe but you, you've got veterans who are leading this team too I, I'm not sure is there a specific guy you're thinking of, Keith, or, or is it just in general kind of kind of lean youth movement? Just a general one. Now, obviously, you know, Jermaine, your defensive ends, you keep in there, you keep uh, McKenzie. But, you know, do you do you uh, do that with some twos? You know, if you've got a two that's a senior and a three that's a sophomore, do you start playing the sophomore more? Uh, those types of decisions. Sure, sure. I think at, at one point we saw they were going to lean toward, for example, like Malik McLean at receiver over even Andrew Parchment. And then, you know, Parchment had a, one of his better games. He had 11 targets and five catches. So 
the batting average is not great there, obviously. But I do think they're taking a long look at every young guy, every first or second year type who can really contribute. Um, they've got building blocks, I think, at certain positions. You know, Treshawn Ward is a guy who maybe in February you wouldn't think would have significant number two tailback reps. He's getting them. DJ Lundy is a significant piece of the linebacker core. They, they've got a lot of guys in there. There are still some younger kids that we haven't seen. And, and if we're not seeing them on special teams, that's kind of my, my comment is if we don't see them on special teams yet, it means Coach Norvell just doesn't feel comfortable putting them out there on offense or defense. So they're, they're still kind of feeling it out. Um, I, I think we, we did ask, for example, on the offensive line, that, that's a good thing that you, you brought that up and kind of triggered you know, we had asked about Bryson Estes as one example, a guy with a top 10 center in the last class. Was he an option instead of, say, moving Darius Washington from tackle to center? And it just doesn't seem like Bryson is just there yet. It, it's hard to ask a true freshman to play on the offensive line with everything going on, and center is more demanding than guard. Um, so that there's a lot of different challenges they're trying to, to, to face and just figure out uh, the ultimate question being, is it too early to put a guy out there when it, it might potentially ruin his development versus, hey, we think he's ready based on practice, then let's see what he can do on a Saturday. Think of all the other factors that go into that equation, though, Bob, besides just that last point. So if you're trying to make that decision, you have to weigh, we're trying to win football games this year. You have to weigh, but it may help us win more games next year. You have to weigh if I play the younger guy, are the older guys going to check out on me? Especially if you're now you're not talking about Jermaine Johnson, who's going to keep playing. But if we're at the quarterback position and they go with Chuba instead of Milton, how much of a sense of obligation do they feel to McKenzie? Then you've got a top recruit. That's a quarterback. Does he get disinterested because now you're playing Chuba and he gets four or five or six games. I just don't think that decision is a very simple decision, or maybe I've put a, a lot more factors in there than you can truly consider. Maybe it boils down to who gives us the best chance to win this Saturday and we make the decision. The quarterback one is always difficult because you can only play one with the asterisk of this year has been a year where they've tried different pieces and they were trying Jordan. I, I don't, I do want to see Chubba Purdy in spots, in the right spots. But let's remember the offense is not functional around him. The receiver play hasn't been consistent. Injuries on the offensive line. Your strength is running. But if you put Chubba out there in situations where he's, he's, he can't be successful just because everything around him is not going well, then you might, you might limit his development. I'm very curious. I, I wanted to see him by this point in the year, Jacksonville State, would have been a great opportunity if not for how it how it went uh wake forest late in that game that last couple of drives those would have been potentially good opportunities um chubba looking at him in, in practice he's developing he's getting there is he truly there to start i, I don't think the answer is yes and, and I, I think in part it's just going back to the pieces around him on offense he he would have to kind of carry some of the things whereas i think right now mckenzie is trying to be that veteran, trying to be the guy who's making a play because he sees some of the limitations around him. He, he might be trying to, say, force a throw or, or make a play where it's, it's really not there, but he feels like that's, 
the best chance to just move the ball down the field. Changing gears, Bob, should we be encouraged by the second half defensively? 79 yards and no points? I am encouraged. I just scratch my head yet again at, at why isn't it apparent early in games? I don't feel like this team is built to battle within a shootout. We saw at Wake Forest, Deacons jumped out early, big lead, it's hard to recover. Louisville, same thing, big lead, showed a lot more fight and recovered and finished, whereas at Wake, couldn't finish, couldn't put the ball in the end zone. I just want to see that focus and fight and, and confidence early. Is it a good thing for young defensive players, older defensive players, transfers to kind of feel a sense of confidence? And you can quantify it by saying it truly was a second half shutout. And they haven't had that in four or five years within an ACC game. So it, it is quantifiable. It's a, it's a good thing. But now let's see that next step. Let's see it. The, the loss against Louisville truly, to me, is only good if they go out against Syracuse and, and A, have a win, and, and B, have a really positive performance. Seems like in the secondary, I know Jarvis Brownlee plays hard, but made some really good stops last week, and, and they solidified him as a starting corner, not a co-starter at one of the positions this week. And then Sidney Williams, who missed a half, he's in there and Jamie Robinson, it seems like those three guys are going to be out there. But the other corner still seems to be a rotation, and they're looking for somebody to stick. And what's happened with Travis Jay and Akeem Denton? Where have they gone, candidly? Yeah, I think they've still got a lot of moving pieces. Um, you know, I'm curious about Miko Dotson. Is Miko a guy who's got that experience who could step in? Um, I, I haven't been – Really impressed with Jerry and Jones. I, obviously, Jerry has been battling some injuries throughout camp. Uh, he's been limited. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have great answers in the secondary. I think they do have some options, but they're also kind of turning towards some of those freshmen just out of curiosity to see what, you know, what, what Hunter or Amarion can, can offer them. Um, in, in some regards, we thought this was a super deep position. It's not been deep based on just how they've played. And, and also with some of these injuries, you start thinking about, well, who, who's the next man up? It's, it's kind of a, you know, examine it through practice and then figure it out on Saturdays. I'm looking, I'm looking at my notes debating what I'd like to discuss next. And I'm looking at you to come up with the next question. Well, it's related. We know short yardage has been terrible. I mean, the, the numbers – uh, because I did look them up, and this is not deep metrics, but FSU is 101st nationally in third down conversions, 125th nationally in fourth down, and the defense is 99th nationally in third down conversion percentage defense. So all that translates into is the offense can't stay on the field and the defense can't get off of it, which is the problem. Here's where I was going, though. We're leaving extra points off the board. <laughs> and I had this thought – should we just go for two? But then I'm thinking we can't do anything in short yardage. So that's not a, we probably only have two plays that work. So you don't want to use them there. I don't know. There's not really a question there, Bob. It just seems like when it rains, it pours. And even the extra points are not a sure thing right now. You know, I sarcastically texted some friends, you know, after the missed extra point, I said that one could come back to haunt them. And I got some nasty responses back, but as the game unfolded, 
it, it would have been interesting to see could they a drive down the field and score and then come up with the right you know two-point conversion play to make it work i don't i i totally understand why coach norvell is going for it on fourth down it's to in in part protect the defense but i think they're they're getting off schedule early on they're not on schedule first down second down they're getting into some third and and not quite manageable and then you're looking at some fourth down situations that it's just not playing out um i i loved the trick play when i saw it in practice the mckenzie milton look at the sideline play we saw it it was repped in practice it looked good I didn't think of it as, hey, that's a great fourth down play. It, it just was something you happen to see throughout the week of practice. And, you know, Coach Norvell kind of owned up to it. He said he didn't like it. Um, it, it just didn't it just didn't work within the game situation. But they've got to figure out some things about third and short, fourth and short, because, um, you know, it, it, it puts the puts the defense in a bad spot. It, it's not complimentary football. It's. Um, it's just it's not sustainable I, th- I think that's the biggest thing is we see it week after week um who knows how it's going to unfold but you, you can't let let it unfold in the same manner throughout the course of the season uh guys i think i echo at least some fsu fans if not the majority of them all right we've talked about it we've asked questions let's just play on saturday and win a daggum ball game and, and i think Florida State needs a win. These these positives. Nobody wants to use the term moral victories, but we're we're seeking positives through losses while we're waiting for that ultimate positive, that ultimate win. These guys desperately need that confidence. Um, maybe it's a good start. Maybe it's sixty minutes of football doesn't happen anymore. I think because of the parity of this game, you know, you're going to see ebbs and flows, and things aren't going to go smoothly. But they need to be at home, win a game, hear the crowd cheering for them, and get that confidence. Because then you go into practice, and you don't get that feeling of, here we go again. we got to go through this over and over, and the coaches aren't going to be happy with us until we get these wins. And I think they're, they're desperate. They're absolutely desperate. And I think, I think for the coaches to kind of sell the progress that they see on the practice field, they they need to have some wins show up on Saturdays. I think confidence is the answer to the question about the slow starts, Bob. I think they start the games with a mindset of, I don't want to be the one to screw it up instead of starting the game with the mindset that I'm going to go make a play and dominate. And somehow in the second half, they were able, I guess when you're losing 31 to seven, there's really, well, it's 31, 13. There's not that pressure because the game's lost. So you just go out and play free. And, and that, to me, has been the issue for, for years now. But anyway, I'll wrap up on this, Bob. You probably didn't see this. Keith, you probably didn't either. But with what I do on the sideline, halftime is my chance to sit down and rest for 15 minutes. And so I watch the marching Chiefs. Well, if this isn't a microcosm of the season, I don't know what is. But the Chiefs were terrific as always. But when they finished, one of the, the girl who juggles, I mean, who uh, twirls the flaming baton, she drops the baton that's still on fire into the case. You shut the case, there's no oxygen, the fire should go out, right? No, no. Something caught fire. They could not get the baton out. This is like with four minutes on the clock, and they're in the box, so the team's about to come back out. This is a true story. 
literally they're looking around. I flip them a bottle of water so they can pour it on the baton to put the thing out and get the fire out of the way for the team to come back. And that, in a nutshell, is 2021 FSU football. And your absolute testimony to the uh, uh, to your dad's career, which many people don't know, but he was a firefighter. He would have been proud that I was. I noticed the fire, <laughs> and I, I did. I did retrieve water to solve the issue. All right, Bob, we'll let you go. Thanks as always. Back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. We'll reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Going to shift sports here and move from football to basketball because practice is underway for Leonard Hamilton's Knowles. Hard to believe, but they've already got those balls out. And Anthony Polite is kind enough to join us. Anthony, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Fifth-year senior, I guess congratulations, but that's kind of an anomaly nowadays in college basketball in the era of the transfer portal and one and done and all that. You must feel like the old man of FSU hoops at this point. Uh, yeah, for sure. I definitely feel old over here. We have a lot of young guys and uh, we have a couple returners as well. So it, it's pretty good. It, it's been uh, really fun, though. Anthony, tell us about your summer finally getting back into the swing of things and then getting ready for camp. What was summer like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, this summer was a little bit better. Uh, COVID wasn't as much as a deal as last year. Uh, we knew a little bit more what we uh, could have done and what we couldn't have done. So it was good. We got to, we got to do a lot more team bonding. We got to get a lot closer to uh, one another. So I feel like uh, we're a lot closer uh, than we were last year at this point. And uh, with everybody been at the gym, stayed in the gym, and uh, it's been a really good summer. This has been a talking point the last few years because it's repeated itself, and that is, oh, Florida State lost some guys, so we're going to undervalue them a little bit. We'll underrank them. And Keith and I have talked with CY about this, and, oh, they did it to us in 2017, and there we were in 2018 and 2019. So as you go in this year, do, do you feel like people are respecting, given Florida State and, and your program, it's due? Or do you still kind of feel like, no, nah, we, we still got a little chip on our shoulder about this? Uh, yeah, we definitely still got a chip on our shoulder. Uh, I, th- I still believe that Coach M doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Uh, he's building a culture that is unbelievable what's going on over here. I mean, we got guys going uh, in the first round that don't even uh, start and nobody maybe not even knows about them at the beginning of the year. And I mean, everything is doing building. We play with each other. We, we just share the ball so well and uh, we share minutes. Everything we do is just uh, all that matters when and then everything's going to fall where it has to fall and then everybody's going to eat. <laughs> Anthony, the expectation is is high. You've had three and four years of back-to-back success. Has that changed how you guys are preparing as you get ready for the new season in any way? No, nah, I mean, the focus is still the same. We got to get better each day. 
and we can't look too much in the future because we got to worry about what's going to happen today in order to improve what we're doing, what we did wrong yesterday and learn from it so that we can keep building. And by the time that we get to March and achieve the goals that we want to uh, want to achieve, we got every, every little single detail right. I know you'll be one of the leaders as one of the veterans on this team. I feel like you've had the label as you're the defensive stalwart. You know, you're the, you're the, the defensive guy. And then I think about it, and you've hit so many big threes during your career, and you had, I think, 22 against Colorado in the tournament last year. So do you feel that you personally have to be more offensive, if that's the term, and score a little bit more than what you've done in the past, or is defense still your bread and butter? Uh, no, nah, yeah, definitely defense is still what I do. I, I want to be guarding the best defender on the other team. That's what I pride myself on, just playing hard defense. And the ball is just going to move, and uh, it's going to move. And then, you know, how, how we play here at Florida State, every night can be a different guy going uh, going off for, like, when I play against Colorado. Um, I've definitely been working on my game all summer. And I think I, I, I mean I know I will be more assertive on on the offensive end, uh, but we got a lot of guys that can score, and uh, we, we're just gonna move the ball. And who got who for whoever that night is is gonna be. Brag on your young guys a little bit. I know you've got some youngsters that you're taking under your wings. Who do we need to pay attention to as you guys get ready to start the season and get into the season? Yeah, we got we got a lot of a lot of talent, talented guys, young guys that just uh, joined the program. Caleb, Jalen, Matt, Cam, John. I mean, I get all of them are really extremely talented. They, they can pretty much do everything. They can defend, score. So it's gonna be an exciting year for all of them and to see what they can bring to the team. You grew up in Switzerland, and I'm gonna I'll tell them myself here because I was in school at FSU when your dad played. Uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, which still means I'm younger than Keith, by the way. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you, you, your dad was playing professionally, and you were growing up in Switzerland. Uh, not just not just culturally, uh, but from a basketball standpoint, how different was the European game to when you came to the States and had to adjust to ACC basketball? No, nah, it was definitely a lot different. I feel like over here, uh, the pace of the game is way faster and more physical. And uh, overseas is also more team-oriented at, at a younger age. And uh, when, once, I came, once I moved to the U.S., I feel like everybody was really trying to get theirs and show what they can do. So I feel like that, that was uh, probably the biggest difference uh, from Switzerland to the U.S. Anthony, as you guys get ready, I think we need to talk about the fact that we've got to feel sorry for Coach Hamilton that he's gotten so old and, having to move around with that walker and he's not energetic and uh, he's not able to, to be uh, the man that he used to be. What in the world? The man gets younger every year. It's amazing. Now, nah, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, the last year, yeah, he ruptured his Achilles and he came to practice like nothing has happened. He was out of the locker room dancing with us, having all the energy that he always has. I mean, he comes to practice and he, he still has all the energy talking to us and showing us the, like, like, and he starts singing. He loves singing. So he starts singing and dancing. I mean, his energy is contagious and it just makes all of us 
want to like play harder and just work harder for him. One of the other things, as as old as he is, he doesn't look one day over fifty. And not at all. Achilles injury is like even young guys sometimes can't get over that, and just seeing him just like nothing has happened, it just makes all of us want to make work a lot harder. I mean, it's just motivation. We're talking with Anthony Polite from FSU's basketball team. One of the things that he's always stressed is get your degree. And you got yours, I think, earlier this year, uh, bachelor's in finance. So, uh, you know, what, what are the plans whenever basketball ends for you, when, whenever your playing days finish up, what are your hopes? Um, I got a couple plans. I mean, maybe I, I, I would like to maybe be a coach for a little bit, but the, the ultimate goal is to be a GM for an NBA team and then possibly own an NBA team. I like it. I like yep. it. Isn't, it. isn't it Jeff Peterson who played at FSU that he's moved up in the NBA ranks? So you can you can talk to him, right? Yeah, no, there's a lot of guys that moved up high in uh, NBA uh, positions. So yeah, it, I'm I'm happy that they they were able to work hard and uh, that they came from FSU and are able to uh, achieve such high goals. Luke Luke Laux would be another one. Now that I think about it, we'll we'll let you get running on this. So I know you speak. How many languages do you speak? Three or four. I speak Italian, French, uh, English, and some uh, Spanish and German. Okay, so how do you say new bloods in Italian and French and some German and some Spanish? New bloods. New bloods. All right, so uh, new blood in Italian would be nuovo sangue. In uh, French would be uh, new uh, uh, blood. I'm not sure in uh, I'm not sure in French, but yeah, in Italian would be uh, nuovo, nuovo sangue. And uh, it doesn't sound as good as in English. But... <laughs> hey, well, you passed the test because you could have said anything and we would have bought it. Keith and I are, uh, we're, we're not exactly bilingual over here. We appreciate it, though. We, we look forward to seeing you and, uh, and, the, and the new team. It, it's always exciting. Uh, what you guys have built is really something to be proud of. So enjoy it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Anthony Polite from the Florida State basketball team. We'll take a break and come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. We are back. A little more time to go. Keith. The basketball overlap always comes more quickly than I expect, but the calendar is about to hit October, and October means Leonard Hamilton's troops are getting ready for what will be another season where they'll be overlooked. Now, I think we're at the point where they won't be as overlooked as they have been, but you and I both know this this season is all going to be about Coach K's last year around the league and UNC having a new basketball coach, and that's the way the ACC basketball will uh, will orbit around Tobacco Road. You know, one of the things that's interesting is is Coach Hamilton doesn't invite the the spotlight. He's very happy, you know, operating a little bit under the radar. Uh, so with those two things being in the spotlight, I think Leonard will be very happy where he's at. The one thing I have been impressed with, I don't know that I'm disagreeing with you, but if you look at the projections of where Florida State ends up in the tournament, and obviously we're way early, haven't even thrown up the ball for a tip yet. 
it appears that at least the bracketologist or the bracketology people are giving Florida State some due, even if they're not getting uh, their due in the polls. Well, they've been to three straight Sweet 16s, and their best team was the COVID year where they didn't get a chance. They, they probably would have been in the Final Four. Right. Uh, side note, Final Four this year in New Orleans, I've got an inside track. So come on, Ham, Stan, CY, everybody. I'm, I'm counting Kirk you on Smith, you here. Smith, everybody. Yep. Yep, let's go. We'll obviously talk a lot more basketball as uh, the, the season gets ready to tip off, but I, I would expect that they will be uh, good as they always are. So good luck to Coach Ham. Sue Semrau's squad has all her starters back from a year ago, too. Uh, and just about everybody on the roster is back for her. Matter of fact, she's got too many players back, so she's going to have to manage some personalities there and some playing time, which is uh, part of the coaching equation that's always uh, difficult. Yeah, you only play with one ball in these sports. What's up with that? Yeah, and only five on the court at a time, which means the longer your bench is, the more people aren't happy with their playing time, right? Anyway, uh, speaking of managing your roster, we can we can bring it back to football, Keith. Florida State, Syracuse this weekend. The, the Knowles are four games in, and we know what the record is. And it it is – I don't know if it makes me feel better or worse to think that they could – pretty reasonably easily be two and two and not much of a stretch to say they could be three and one right now, but that's coulda, woulda, shoulda territory. And that's not where they're sitting. You know, you and I were talking during the break, you know, we talk about the players being disappointed and then maybe when they get an opportunity, they press a little bit and, you know, in years gone by, not this year, but in prior years, you know, they'd get behind and maybe the effort wasn't quite there. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about is this coaching staff is not used to losing and they're professionals and they're getting paid very well to do what they do, but this is unfamiliar territory for them as well. So it is a complete and total um, refocus and continuing focus on trying to stay, uh, up, you know, uh, upbeat and, and positive. And, you know, with the, with a little bit of, we'll just call it a little bit of an outburst by coach Norvell. I think you saw, first of all, he's human. And he had, you know, uh, he's, he's not a robot, robot, none of them are. And second of all, he cares. So it hurts. And uh, I know there'll be those out there that says he's paid so much doesn't matter, but the reality is it does. And, um, you know, they're, they're seeing some um, redoubling and tripling of efforts and hopefully that will pay off somewhere down the road. I thought uh, Adam Fuller's comment was the best, you know, uh, we're try we're tired of losing lessons while we're, uh, we're tired of learning lessons while we're losing. We need to learn some lessons while we're winning. And I would love to see that as well. Well, the same mistake on game tape always looks better and not as significant if, if, if it's coming out of a win. Correct. You know, winning is winning is the best deodorant, right? That that's what the saying goes. So defensively, Keith, I think you hit on it earlier in the show. We need to see Florida state from the get go. And this is across the board, but especially defensively, be dialed in and locked in from the opening of the game. I mean, it's okay to affect change, affect the quarterback, uh, play aggressively and confidently. It's okay to do that from the start. You don't have to wait until the second half when, when now the pressure's off because maybe the game's out of reach. But offensively, given the quarterback situation, given the offensive line situation, we've seen four games of it. How do you think, and given that Jordan Travis is probably not available this week, how do you handle things? What does Florida State's offense need to look like? You go to the jumbo package and you run the ball to begin the ball game. We saw success with that. They brought in an extra tackle. You keep a tight end in. 
you you allow um, your running backs to, to to gain some rhythm. Uh, in other words, you go away from that which your offense is built around, but you do that in order to try to establish a little bit of control in the game and get some points on the board and not get so far behind and, and be intentional about it. I know that's not the offense that Kenny Dillingham wants to run and Coach Norvell wants to see, but that's how I start the game. And, and even if it takes 20 plays, you know, I, I'm lining up those jumbo packages and I'm running it right after. Hey, I, I've never was a Georgia Tech Paul Johnson fan, but if we could just get four yards at a clip and, and eat nine minutes off the clock on an 82-yard, 14-play drive, I wouldn't argue with it at this point. You know, I know you want to be explosive. I know you want to get the ball down the field vertically, but let, let's, let's commit, even overly commit, to the running game and then run off a of play action and work our way into but, what we ultimately want to do. But I think, see, that's the conundrum they face, though, Keith. I think when you look at their rushing yardage, almost half of it has come on just a handful of plays, you know, 75-yard runs by Jay Sean Corbin, which means the other half are a lot of one- and two-yard runs. Now, they haven't been in jumbo. Uh, and I don't know that we saw jumbo at the goal line. I don't know that we've seen jumbo on a lot of the third and fourth and shorts, I guess because they're trying to make the defense think it might be run or pass. Uh, so there might be some room for it. But I do still wonder if if you can if this team can commit with the personnel as it is, how much they can commit to run the football without having to show some balance to get the running game to work. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know either, but what we've been doing hasn't been working early, and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's all I know. I'm not very bright, but I know that. Hey, people keep listening to this show every week, Keith, despite that definition of insanity, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure that it's gotten any better since week one, but we keep showing up and doing it, right? Well, there's another aspect to it as well, Tommy, and I had this conversation earlier this week. Sometimes you just got to be a mule. You just put your head down and you plow ahead. You don't worry about being pretty. You don't worry about a nice blanket or the saddle or or who's riding, you put the blinders on, you put your head down, and you plow ahead. And then you establish that and work off of that. And uh, there's something to be said for that consistency as well. Let's go back to special teams, which we touched on in our show after the game, uh, Saturday night, Sunday. I, I still think the play might be to just fair catch the kickoffs and take the, tw take the yardage. I don't think they'll do it, but that might be where I'd land. It's certainly something they ought to look at. And, um, you know, I, I, I've got mixed feelings on that. But if you go back and look at what's happening with the way that uh, the ball is up in the air, and, and many kickoff teams don't even worry about a return. They just kick it out. But those that do want to settle it on the three, the goal line, two yards deep, they're getting such height on the ball from just a physical standpoint, that extra – third of a second extra half of a second is six or seven yards when you're running full speed so now your point of contact is not the 28 or the 27 it's the 20 and you're getting tackled on the 13 it's just not a good recipe well and the way they do it so they'll look at it and they'll compare average field position after a kickoff with the opponent and so if you get four returns and one of them springs to the 37 well that's really good but if the other three are at the 17 
in, in essence, I mean, maybe your average is better than what the other team wound up. I'm not doing the math in my head. If they took four fair catches and started the 25, your average might be better. But only one of your drives really had a great chance to succeed based on how much of a struggle it's been for this offense just to get a first down. Now, Tommy, you're asking me to cipher the difference between average, median, and mean. And I'm not prepared to do that right now. So move on. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I thought since you're a big shot professor over in the College of Business that you might be able to handle that. But uh, I don't teach math. Yeah, you teach risk management. And, and what I understand you're doing right now is you are assessing the risk and realizing that you don't want to tread into those waters. That's what you're doing. I'm not retaining nothing. I'm transferring everything. <laughs> well, Keith, uh, the only constants, death taxes, and uh, you and I will get together after the game this weekend. And hopefully we'll be uh, dissecting and, and talking about Florida State's first win of the season. Then we'll do so again next Wednesday right here on Real Talk 93.3. We may not know how to act if we have to do that, but I'm willing to learn. I'm definitely willing to learn. We may go longer than our normal 30 or 40 minutes, but I will, I will promise that we will not go long as the average college football game does nowadays. That's another problem for another show, but we're pushing four hours on a weekly basis, and we got to get that fixed, Keith. So make a note, okay? We don't have enough time. Do you get into your review rant? We'll save that for later. It's not even reviews. There's all kinds of other things. The reviews are only part of the problem. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week on Front Row Knowles.